Welcome to Bradley's Micro Board Review, where we try to make your board's review for microbiology a little less painful. But, I mean, we're not magicians or anything. This still sucks. Tetanus is caused by Clostridium tetani, which is a gram-positive bacilli. The most interesting thing about this bacterium is that, like all organisms in the Clostridium genus, it can form endospores. Whenever these bacteria sense some sort of stress in the environment, they will wall off their genomic material behind a super thick shell, which is able to survive the passage of time, being frozen, heated, desiccation, and most sanitizing methods. It's not able to survive autoclaving, though. Since I started teaching medical microbiology, I've seriously considered buying a personal autoclave. Too bad they're like $10,000. Clostridium tetani typically causes muscle spasms. Generalized tetanus is the most common manifestation of disease and the mortality is around 13%. It usually occurs when patients ingest the endospores. This usually presents as lockjaw in most adult cases and is usually the first symptoms patients have. This is when the mus muscles in the jaw are paralyzed, which causes the patients to be unable to open their mouths. There's also rhesus sardonicus, which causes a spastic paralysis of the facial muscles, causing the appearance of a creepy smile. And obstetanus, back muscle spasms that cause the back, neck, and head to bend backward in an arch. Generalized tetanus can lead to death due to exhaustion or respiratory failure, especially if not diagnosed in time or if it remains untreated. Neonatal tetanus can present with the same symptoms of generalized tetanus, but will occur in babies born to mothers who are not vaccinated. This is because the mother's antibodies are what protect the baby in the first six weeks of life. These neonates usually acquire this infection from an unhealed umbilical stump infection, particularly when non-sterile instruments are used, like when the baby is born outside the hospital. The mortality is over 50%, even with treatment. The symptoms of tetanus are caused by the toxin tetanospasmin. This is a protease that cleaves snare proteins and blocks the release of inhibitory neurotransmitters GABA and glycine on Renshaw cells. This triggers the action of alpha neurons and ultimately causes muscle contraction, leading to that spastic paralysis. The toxin is released by the bacteria at the site of infection, but the tr then travels through retrograde axonal transport into the spinal cord, which is why lockjaw is usually the first symptom, followed by facial muscle paralysis and then larger muscle paralysis. Treatment of tetanus includes the use of anti-tetanospasmin antibodies, which is a single-dose injection that neutralizes the toxin. You can also try to reduce the spasm triggers by using muscle relactants, reducing the noise, and placing the patient in a dark room. Antibiotics are largely unproven at helping the infection. Therefore, the best treatment is the immunization regimen. The vaccine is a toxoid vaccine and holds the deactivated toxin. The patient will then acquire immunity to the toxin that lasts several years, but not the full lifetime, which is why you should get a booster shot every 10 years. Children get the DTaP vaccine, and the booster shots are called Tdap but they are both toxoid vaccines for tetanus. Botulism is caused by Clostridium botulinum and most often presents as cranial nerve def defects, particularly affecting the eyes first, 
and then a descending paralysis due to the action of the botulinum toxin. This toxin irreversibly binds to acetylcholine, preventing its release at the neurotransmitter junction, causing flaccid paralysis, which, if it reaches the diaphragm, can cause respiratory failure and death. Botulism is often transmitted to adults when they eat the preformed toxin in improperly canned food. The toxin is heat labile, so as long as you cook your food correctly, no problems. The most common presentation is cranial nerve problems, especially for the eyes. It's most dangerous when transmitted to infants. Infant botulism is commonly and, in my opinion, inconsiderately called floppy baby syndrome. This is most often associated with the consumption of honey where the spores reside. The spores will then germinate into vegetative cells and release the botulism toxin, causing dysphagia. Luckily, there is an effective single-dose antitoxin injection that attempts to neutralize the toxin by binding up all the active sites. No antibiotics are needed since the biggest problem is the toxin. Prevention is the key here, so properly canning food, heating all food to the correct temperature, and not giving children honey until they are at least one years old is critical. Now let's take all that knowledge and bring it to the boards. A four-year-old male presented with a three-hour history of dysphagia and difficulties opening the mouth. For the past week, the boy has exhibited general malaise, fever, indolence, and anorexia. Vital signs reveal a temperature of 100, a heart rate of 70, and a blood pressure of 110 over 75. Past medical history is significant for incomplete immunizations. Physical examination reveals a small local hematoma and a loose toenail on his right big toe. When asked to walk, muscle spasms of the back and thighs occurred. Brzezinski and Kerning sides were negative and tendon reflexes were normal. What is the mechanism of the responsible virulence factor? Is it A, inhibition of the release of acetylcholine, B, inhibition of the release of GABA, C, blocks sodium channels, or D, inactivates elongation factor 2? First, diagnose the patient. The patient is presenting with dysphagia, fever, trismus, and mild dehydration. He is also presenting with opsithotonus. The negative Brzezinski and Kernig signs indicate no meningitis. The wound on the toe of a small child and the lack of immunizations help narrow down the possibilities. If the board's questions ever mentions a lack of immunizations, then it's a big clue. This presentation is highly suggestive of generalized tetanus. The classic presentation of generalized tetanus is fever, trismus, or locked jaw, rhizus sardonicus, or the creepy smile, and opsithotonus, which is muscles of the back and neck and head spasms. It mostly occurs in the unvaccinated or neonates. You can treat this with anti-tetanospasm antibody immediately, and antibiotics are not a big help. Choice A, botulinum toxin prevents the release of acetylcholine causing flaccid paralysis. Choice B, tetanospasm blocks the release of GABA and glycine causing muscle spasms. Choice C, tetrodotoxin and saxitoxin block sodium channels causing paralysis. And choice D, diphtheria toxin is an example of a toxin that inactivates the eukaryotic elongation factor 2, which blocks protein synthesis causing the death of the cell.
Therefore, the correct answer is B, inhibition of the release of GABA. A 47-year-old woman and her husband, a 51-year-old male, presented the emergency room with an eight-hour history of progressive dizziness and blurred and doubled vision. Physical examination revealed bilateral upper eyelid drooping and slurred speech. Computed tomography, magnetic resonance imaging, and analysis of the cerebrospinal fluid were all normal. Both individuals quickly developed a descending paralysis that required mechanical ventilation. The adult son of this couple remembered the couple eating a can of homemade green beans the night before presentation, which he did not eat due to a bad odor. What is the most likely causative agent? Is it A. Clostridium difficile, B. Clostridium tetani, C. Clostridium botulinum, or D. Carinobacter diphtheria? First, diagnose the patients. The patients are presenting with apoptosis, diplopia, which quickly become a dysentery paralysis. The imaging, lack of neck stiffness, and clear CSF analysis reveal that the problem is not encephalitis or meningitis. The biggest clue comes from the fact that the couple ate homemade canned food and the one individual that didn't eat the food didn't present with any symptoms. This is highly indicative of botulism. Adult botulism is most often transmitted through eating improperly canned homemade foods. The most often presents with diplopia, apoptosis, and muscle weakness. Diagnosis is mostly clinical, but there are ELISAs for detecting the toxin. Treat immediately with anti-botulism toxin antibody. Antibiotics are not often helpful. Choice A, Clostridium difficile, presents as a profuse malodorous diarrhea. Choice B, Clostridium tetani in adults presents with lockjaw, obsidentonus, and rhesus sardonicus. Choice D, Clostridium diphtheriae, presents with an exudative pharyngitis that bleeds when scraped. Therefore, the correct answer is C, Clostridium botulinum. We would like to take this chance to recognize Music Lover for their review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, it means a lot. You can find our study calendar, a guide on how to study microbiology specifically for the boards, our contact email address, and references used to make this episode at thebradleylab.wordpress.com. If you found an error or would like to discuss any of this information, please leave us a voice message in the show notes. If you appreciated this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend. This podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, and it would be a big help for us if you could submit a review. This podcast was written and edited by me, Jillian Bradley. See you tomorrow.